Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we hear stories of people who are making time in their lives to make a difference in this world. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. This week, we switch it up a little bit. We take a break from our interviews to look at a story about Jesus. And I'm going to be honest, this story is just Jesus messing with some people. Super excited to get into it. Before we jump into this week's podcast, I want to remind you that taking care of ourselves is key to taking care of this world. However, it is unbelievably difficult to find the time to get to a yoga studio or to a gym, and no one likes being surrounded by a bunch of strangers while working out. You could work out at home, but it's nearly impossible to stay motivated, and let's be honest, searching for good options on YouTube is enough to make you want to give up before you start. I've got good news. TDH Virtual Experience has got you covered. Experience a class setting virtually on your terms. Enjoy yoga, boogie fit, dance, fitness, and even ballet and tap dance classes simply by logging into your account. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions and receive personal answers. You will be part of a fun and supportive community without leaving your home. This is the best of both worlds. And the best part, it's for everyone anywhere, anytime, and it starts at just $25 a month. Want to check it out? Go to thedancinghouse.com and start your two-week free trial today. No credit card is required and new classes are added every week. That's thedancinghouse.com. Proud supporters of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere. Hey fellow walkers, I trust this podcast finds you well. Well, each month we will take one week and we'll take a break from our interviews and we're going to focus on a story about Jesus that gives us insight on how to live with purpose and pace because that's the whole dream of Jesus Never Ran. It's partly to find our purpose and to live that out, but it's to live that out in a way where we don't kill ourselves. It's living it at a good pace. So we're going to look at a story where Jesus is intentionally teaching us actually how to live because it's not enough just to focus on what Jesus says. That's great. Um, But keying in on what he did is in so many ways where we find the really great stuff. So today we're going to look at a story where Jesus heals a blind man. And so often we get caught up in the fact that Jesus is healing somebody because that's, that's crazy, right? We don't experience that all the time here. And so there's so many stories when Jesus heals people. And it's really easy to get caught up in that, that we don't take time to see what he did and why he did it in the way that he did. Because everything Jesus is doing has an incredible sense of purpose to it. So someone being healed is incredible. And, you know, I'm awed by all of these stories about Jesus where he heals people. And it's not bad to be, you know, awed by something that Jesus does. I think that's really important. But in the midst of this incredible feat that he does, there's a broader story, something bigger that's unfolding. It's a a story that tells us that we don't necessarily have to play by everyone else's rules. Let's dig in. All right, we find this story in the book of John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. 
As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, and others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Now, the first thing to note of here is that the disciples, who are all Jewish, they start with an assumption about this poor man. Because of what they've been taught, they assume that either this man or his parents had some sort of nasty sin in their lives causing him to be blind. Now, first of all, I couldn't be more thankful that this is not how God works or I would be blind, deaf, and mute. I think I probably have plenty of sin in my life that everybody around me would be blind and mute and deaf as well. And so I'm super happy that that is not how God works. But specific to Jesus never ran, we can look at this question and realize that whether we like it or not, people who are around us, people who experience the way that we live life, will make decisions about us in their minds. And if if we're honest with ourselves, we do that with other people as well. So this is not like pointing the finger and say, all right, all of these people around me, pity party USA, they're, they're making up their mind about me. We all do it, right? Based on whatever we see in people, we cast judgment and we make decisions on them, really based on what we know about them. And so people will make decisions about us in their minds based on what they know of us. Sometimes this will mean that people will think really very highly of us. I mean, I've had situations where I've spoken to groups of people or I've taught people or I've just sat down one-on-one with people and it's went really well. And naturally they assume that that is indicative of everything I do. So because that went well, everything I do is great and I walk on water. And if you ask anybody around me that's close to me, they will certainly tell you that that is not true. But the opposite isn't true either. I've had situations where I've spoke to groups of people and it just hasn't worked. I can remember a time, this was years and years ago when I was doing some youth speaking. I got hired to do this big youth weekend and all of the... All of the reviews came back fairly poor. And it's a bigger, deeper story. It had less to do with how I spoke and more to do with what I was saying versus what they expected me to say. But all the reviews came back pretty bad. And uh, I wasn't invited back to that camp for a long time. And most people there, especially the leaders that were there and the staff members at this specific place made a decision about me that was very negative, which obviously affected whether they were going to ask me back again. So you can have people who will assume really wonderful things about you and think that you walk on water, and then you'll have people who will assume really negative things about you. And it's all based on what they see and what they experience while they're with you. And neither of those assumptions is completely true, even though there's probably a little bit of truth to each of them. Now, I don't like to admit this, and I don't think a lot of people like to admit this, but 
as human beings, we tend to deeply care about what others think about us. Now, as I go into this, I think it's really important to note that I believe that we should live a life that honors people and that the way that we live our lives should make others better. But I don't think having a perspective or a goal of pleasing people is a good thing at all. I think it can be really destructive. And so now going back to the the previous thought, if we listen to the voices that are saying, man, Matt, he just walks on water. Everything he does is exceptional. If I listen to that voice, that's going to lead to a ton of pride. And that's going to lead to me thinking, okay, I'm better than I actually am. And the Bible talks about how pride leads to destruction. It says that pride is actually right before destruction, which I know in my life has proven to be the case several times. The problem that this gets us into is if you're living a life where you think you're better than you actually are, and if you're listening to those voices that are really blowing your your ego up, you may make some decisions that are unwise. You may jump into things before actually thinking them through. And more importantly, you may jump into things before really researching and asking people if they think it would be a good idea. I've had times in my life where I've had this thought or idea or dream in my mind and I just went after it without seeking any sort of counsel or insight from anybody around me. And undoubtedly, it goes bad really, really fast. Now, on the other side of the coin, it's really important that we don't hear those voices that think that we're horrible and think that everything we do is horrible based on what they know of us. Because that will be demoralizing. If we walk around this world just believing that we're no good because that's what some people think about us and that's the voice that we tune into, that's really going to affect our confidence. That's going to affect our ability to take great leaps of faith when God is calling to do that as well. And so neither is good. What we need to do is we need to have a great balance. We need to hear all the voices around us, but really hear the centered voices. This this goes back to the realization that we really need people in our life that understand us, that know us, and that understand what we're trying to do in life so they can really speak some great truth into our life. So the reality is this. A lot of people want to put their two cents in about other people. And I say, well, you can keep your pennies because they're not worth a damn thing. All right, let's look at Jesus' reply to the question, the question about who sinned this man or his parents. He answers that no one sinned, but this is all really so the work of God can be shown in this man's life. And it's easy to have assume in this case that Jesus is just referring to the fact that he's going to heal this guy. But I think that's just a tiny little piece of it because our flaws, and I'm not talking about sin flaws because that's not what this story is about. This is about a physical problem that this man has. So our flaws can so many times above a lot of other things really draw us closer to God. And I hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but hardship teaches us lessons that good times could never even dream to teach us. And our flaws remind us of our humanity, and they remind us that we're not superheroes as much as we want to be, and that we can't do everything on our own. And so I'm here to tell you to be your beautiful, flawed self because it's just what we have. It's what we have, so let's let God use it. Maybe God will heal us. Maybe he won't in certain situations. But if we 
are using our limitations, our shortcomings as an excuse not to do that thing deep in our hearts, then we are in the middle of a grand adventure of missing the point because it's not about being perfect. If we waited until we are perfect to do that thing that's in our heart that that we want to do, none of us would ever do anything meaningful. And that is for sure. The other reality is that God can use your struggles as a foundation, which he can use to blow other people's minds. So the case in point, in a group of people, my introverted nature can cause me to be quiet and even a little bit awkward. And I've worked extremely hard at this over the years because I believe that God has a huge sense of humor by the fact that he would take an uh, inherently introverted person like myself. And every single thing I've ever done as a part of my career has involved being surrounded by a lot of other people. So I've come a long ways because I've had to work really hard at this. And so people who know maybe about my introverted nature or honestly just people who have met me in a small crowd of people uh, may not have real high expectations out of me. Because if you meet me in a room full of people in, in like a small party setting, you know, that, that's the place where I get a little bit anxious and I'm a little bit reserved and I don't really feel like often I'm truly who I am. So if you met me in that situation, you wouldn't expect much, much out of me. But then if you'd have the opportunity to hear me speak in front of a large group of people, often when people have not heard me speak, but they've met me in other circumstances, they're they're surprised. They're surprised that I can stand up there and do what I do. Um, But that's because that's the space where I am comfortable. And that's the place where I don't feel any anxiety at all. Being in a group of, uh, you know, in front of a, a large group of people doesn't cause me any struggle at all. And so I think Jesus intentionally made me introverted so that when people heard the way that God uses me, that they would be surprised and they would it would pique their interest and maybe they would they would listen a little bit closer. You know, he he picked a bunch of failures for his disciples. He didn't go out and pick the the great people, the people that were doing great things. He picked a bunch of failures. And so I mean, he chose this coward and Peter to start the modern church movement as we know it. I mean, Peter just did so many cowardly things when we read about him. And he he chooses this super angsty man, Paul, to be the first missionary. It's just what he does. Like, he picks flawed people to do work here on earth. And so we might as well join the club. (laughs) We might as well join the club. And in spite of our flaws, whatever we have, you know, let's just do it anyway. I did an interview with Angie Niska. It's called Shaken and Stirred. And she made this statement that was so great. She said, your dream is on the other side of fear. And that's so true so many times. Because the reality is there's so much in us, especially our flaws, that make us fearful. But if we can overcome those, that's when great things happen. I'm sure there's a lot of people in this world that scratch their heads wondering how I make a living at what I do. How does this guy podcasting and speaking in front of people, how does he make a living at that? But that's just God using me, this guy with all sorts of flaws and failures to inspire and encourage others. And he wants to do the exact same thing with you. (laughs) 
So moving along in the story, let's get to the weird and amazing part, shall we? Jesus spits on the ground and makes some mud. <laughs> Imagine what is going through this blind guy's head, not being able to see what's going on. He just he just hears somebody spitting and he's like, hey, did, did, did he spit on the ground? Did, did a little of that hit my toe? Some really important things to note here. Jewish law, not Old Testament Jewish law, but Jewish law nonetheless stated that you could not mix anything on the Sabbath. It also stated that you could not make any healing ointments on the Sabbath. Crazy, right? <laughs> the amount of detail that went into their pious religiosity is crazy. So this happens on the Sabbath. It feels like Jesus does this intentionally. I feel like almost every time he heals someone, he's doing it on the Sabbath. So this happens on the Sabbath, like so many of his miracles, which is absolutely not an accident. He purposely breaks two Jewish rules. I am convinced in my mind that he did this absolutely on purpose. And then he takes what he created by breaking those rules and rubs it on the man's eye, right? Because he mixes something, not supposed to do that. And he makes a healing ointment, not supposed to do that. And then he the thing that he created by breaking the laws, he rubs that on the man's eye, which is this mud. And, and now this, just I want you to just maybe close your eyes, unless you're driving, and picture this. So there's this man who now has his eyes caked with mud. I can't imagine what people around were thinking. So I've heard people ask, well, why didn't Jesus just say, be healed instead of making this man go through what seems to be this crazy ritualistic healing process? But it's because the story isn't just about healing this man. It's about standing up for what is right. It's about standing against that which is unjust and wrong. It's about showing the extent of God's grace in the midst of a religion that suffocates and puts down. Jesus then tells this man to go to the pool of Siloam and he asks the blind man to walk through the city with mud all over his eyes to wash in this pool because from where they were to, to where the pool is, this man would have had to walk all the way through the city. And this pool is a freshwater pool that was a main water source for this community. And it happened to be also the place where a lot of people believe that it was used for a lot of Jewish ritual cleanings. And so on the Sabbath, this pool would have been surrounded by a lot of Jewish people, specifically Jewish religious leaders. So Jesus intentionally breaks a couple of Sabbath rules and when people see this blind man walking to this pool, not only do they see, because he's got this mud all over his face, not only do they see that these rules have been broken, they also are the ones who get to watch this man wash the mud off of his face. And they get to see his reaction when he was able to see for the very first time. Now, Jesus leaves everyone with quite a conundrum here. The rules for following God, according to these Jewish people, were broken. And because of it, because these rules were broken, this man who is blind from birth can now see. Hmm. So there are rules and cultural norms that we are constantly fighting against. Our culture is a selfish, fast-paced, dog-eat-dog, climb-over-everyone-to-get-to-the-top kind of culture. 
in in my experience, it's so often gossip filled. It's riches chasing. It's demoralizing in so many ways. It's a culture that says there are certain ways to do things. And if you don't follow along with those things, you will be an outcast. So let's not be afraid to show the world and let the culture know that we stand against it because it's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily right and it's not necessarily godly. Let's be humble in the face of pride, strong in the face of injustice, unapologetic in the presence of ridicule, and loving in the face of disdain. If we want to walk like Jesus, we should stand out and we should make people think. So how is that passion of yours challenging people's thinking? How are you spreading mud on other people's faces in all of the best ways, of course? Now, they immediately conclude that this can't possibly be the blind man. It's just someone that must look like him. And I love the response that he gives them. He simply says, no, I am the man. So when people want to deny what God is doing in your life, it's our responsibility simply to say, nope, I am the man or I am the woman. So for whatever reason in my life, because I've done speaking, pastoral things, chaplain things, people always want to know where I went to school and what I went to school for. And when they find out that I don't have a theology degree, sometimes they question whether I should be doing what I'm doing, or at least that's the story I play in my head. But I just say, hey, I'm the man. This is what I'm doing. This is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. So I am the man. And there's been other times when people have wanted to point out past failures. uh, And they want to say that maybe those failures should disqualify me from what I'm doing now. And I simply say, hey, I'm the man. This is what I'm doing. And so I'm the man. This is God has chosen me to do what I'm doing. So I'm going to do it in spite of my past failures. Or maybe people want to come against you and say, your passion is crazy or it doesn't make any sense. And then you can just stand up and say, no, I'm the man or I'm the woman. And maybe people will try to tell you, no, you shouldn't do that crazy thing and quit your job or go after that crazy passion because you should do what the rest of the culture does, which is get a safe and secure job because that's just a responsible thing to do. And in the face of that, you can simply look at them and say, no, I am the man I am the woman and this is what I'm supposed to do. What I mean is that I'm the person that God chose to do the thing that I'm doing. So it doesn't much matter what anybody else in the peanut gallery has to say about it. God's put something in my heart. He's given me what I need to accomplish this thing. And he's doing the same thing for you. And he's surrounding me with people that will encourage me. And he'll do the same thing for you. So he chooses us in spite of our flaws so that people can see that he's a miracle worker. If we're doing this all on our own, how does that show God in any way? But he doesn't follow other people's rules. In fact, he's often quite overt about making sure that they know their rules do not apply. Now, the story goes on for quite a bit as the religious leaders try to make peace with this or try to have some sort of understanding about it. And I certainly encourage you to read the rest of it. But for this podcast, we're going to end with them questioning the former blind man. And this is my favorite. They ask him to explain what happened, which he does. 
He said, there's this man, he did this thing, he mixed this stuff, he put this mud on my eyes, told me to wash it off here. So if there's any doubt about whether Jesus broke any of the rules, this man clears it up. He says he definitely broke some Sabbath rules. He does that by telling the story. And then they ask him, well, where is this man? Because they obviously want to question Jesus and and really get down to the, the gist of what's going on here. And the blind man says, I don't know. Because he's blind. When Jesus did this, he was blind. How was he supposed to know where Jesus is? Which continues to just show how ignorant some of these religious leaders were at the time. All right, this matters for a couple of reasons. Number one, don't ever let your flaws get in the way of your future. Don't let those things that try to keep you down, don't let those get in the way of you trying to accomplish your dreams. So many difference makers in this world have been completely flawed people because we all are. Secondly, sometimes your dreams are going to rub people the wrong way because they're not going to understand it or they're not going to get it. And maybe they're not going to be behind it because it just doesn't make sense in their mind which is exactly why you should be doing it. This culture needs inspiration. This culture needs to see people doing things differently because walking like Jesus should challenge people's thinking. Hey, as always, if you need a little help getting from where you are to where you want to be, check out The Walking Club at www.jesusneverran.com. The Walking Club is a monthly video series where we work together to go after our dreams. Next time, we hear from a musician who puts all of her life and all of her stories into all of her music. Tune in next week.